1: Happy race week, everyone. Stephen Dunn, Stickered Up Podcast, the official podcast of the Solid Rock Carriers Cars Tour. And what a busy 10 day period it's been for the Cars Tour on the late model side. Trips to Motor Mile and North Wilkesburg. In Motor Mile, two weeks ago, saw a four time winner on the pro late model side and a first time winner on the late model stock car side. We go back to recap the Harrison's Workwear 225. We go to our friends at Pit Road TV, Tony Stevens.
2: Through turns three and four, William Swalich and Katie Hettinger lead the field through the KRC Power Steering start zone. Green flag is out in the fluid logic. 225 by Food Country USA is underway. Lap one, William Swalich over Katie Hettinger is Gavin Michelle. Look at him fan out a little bit further back there behind him has been able to do anything with William Swalich this year it feels like and right now Katie Hettinger has given him about the uh, the biggest end of the business we've seen so far early in a race this season so uh, she might be the one that upsets William Swalich, only time will tell but it would not surprise me to see that young lady get the job done Excuse me, pardon me, coming through. You see him on the wheel in the cockpit. Gavin Michelle, great save as Luke Finhouse got into his Chevrolet. A couple of the Chevrolet young guns, if you will, they were all out at, uh, I believe it was Kershaw Motorsports Park I saw earlier this week. Michelle Finhouse, Katie Hettinger, and in fact, Luke, last time by, the fastest car on the racetrack down in the 1660s, leader William Swalich in the 1680s. So maybe there is a chink in the armor of William Swalich. The problem is that night is trying to fight him, is way far back in the country hills for now. Maybe that horse will gallop a little bit faster for Luke Finhouse as he's trying to find a way around that CorvetteParts.net Chevrolet. Lap number 69 and Luke Finhouse nearly clears Caden. Quopley's got a nose ahead. And now Finhouse to complete lap number 70 will take third spot. So Finhouse up to P3 and chasing down his teammate Katie Hettinger as well as leader William Sawalek looking at lap times that time by. Finhouse still faster than leader William Sawalek but Caden Kwapel said, nah, son, not yet. I am not giving up the fight neither is Buddy Kofoy behind him. Again, the two Highlands cars, the two fastest cars on the racetrack last time by. Katie Hettinger reeling in William Swalich, slightly. Finhouse lost a bit that time, but those 96 cars—they are both starting to shine now. That the sun is going down. If you're Swalich, you're thinking back to Hickory. You're thinking back, oh no, again. Yeah, we saw that in the late mile stock portion of Throwback 276. Once more, you your three quarters of a tenth. It's now measured in feet. It's not measured in tenths. It's about two car lengths in the turn number three. A little more traffic ahead of them. That's Ruben Casares Jr. in the 77. So Wallace chooses the outside. Hettinger's there. It's down to less than a car length. Big slide. Hettinger, major loss of grip. So bad she backed out and thought she had a problem. There is no doubt Katie Hettinger's driving that car for all it is worth and she has now got five and a half laps to make up all that real estate. It's going to take a major mistake on the part of the Raging Rooster to give this one up at this point or some sort of parts failure. Off turn number four. White flag is in in pursuit of his fifth career, Solid Rock Carriers Pro Late Model Tour win. Swalich navigates the stretch. Traffic will not be a problem. Katie Hettinger nowhere within its striking distance. And William Swalich does it again, this time at Motor Mile Speedway in the Fluid Logic 225 presented by Food Country USA. I joked with you yesterday. Make it entertaining. How concerned were you those last 25 laps with Katie Hettens? You're reeling you in a half a tenth a lap, it felt like, for
3: every single one of those. Uh, I was a little concerned. Car kept getting really tight. Um, But I knew she had a good car. So just had to stay as consistent as I could and hoping she would mess up.
2: Traffic seemed to play a factor in that one. I know you lost the throwback 276 because of traffic. How much did you learn that night that you used here that got you here to Edelbrock Victory Lane?
3: Yeah, I think uh, the throwback was um, very exceptional. I think it was a different type of traffic, but um, this traffic um, was a little bit more difficult than I expected, but just tried to get around it as uh, quickly as I could, and uh, hopefully she uh, would do the same.
1: Check that five wins in 2022 for William He He's dominated the pro late model side of the Cars Tour here in the summer months. Katie Hettinger with a strong second-place finish, and she was coming before she had some mechanical issues there in the last few laps. Caden Quapple third, Luke Finhouse fourth, Buddy quaffle fifth. And looking at the points heading into this weekend's festivities at Tri-County Speedway, Luke Fenhouse holds a slim eight point lead now over William Swalich. Swalich continues to carve into that lead. And despite missing a full race at Greenville earlier this year, he's only a mere eight points back. Caden Quapple, 17 markers back. Austin McDonald, 32. Cody King rounds out the top five. He's 83 markers out of the lead. Now we went to the nightcap at Motor Mile. And a familiar face in Victory Lane, we go back to Pit Road TV's Tony Stevens.
2: Lights have extinguished around the Motorbile Speedway, the Solid Rock Carrier's pace car will dive to the safety of Pit Lane. On the front row, Carson, Quample, and Connor Hall lead the field down. Matthew Faulbush going to give him the green flag. And here we go, the Fluid Logic 225 presented by Fruit Country USA. Blame all stock Cars is green. Lap number one, now lap number two to Connor Hall as Carson Quaple falls back to second. And look at Deke McCaskill. He just about had them both jacked up down the front stretch. Deke McCaskill is going places. I'm not seeing Deek this racy early in a race in quite some time. That top side, it's still here at Motor Mile. Deke is working it hard, trying to take over second. And behind him, Kyle Dudley now moves into fourth, getting by Mike Looney. The Solid Rock Carrier's pace car again escapes the racing surface and through the KRC Power Steering restart zone, Deke McCaskill once again dynamite behind him, as look at this, Mike Looney nearly in the middle of a three wide sandwich down the back stretch, 37 laps remain in the Fluid Logic 225, presented by Food Country USA, green flag is out and Deke once again, schools them through the KRC power steering restart zone. Looney now side by side with Connor Hall again. This all for the runner up spot. He got around his teammate Bobby McCarty. Hall now has second all to himself. Quabo free wide behind him jones Mason Diaz, watch out. Mason Diaz has come to a stop and intentionally brought out a caution, and he now will receive a one-lap penalty. Up the hill and turn two goes McCaskill, and here comes Quaple nearly sliding into the outside wall. Well, and Pike, right now the strategy might be get off the guy behind you's front bumper. Connor Hall, Carson Quaple leaning on each other. Three wide down the front straightaway briefly. Quarpo moves to second. Connor Hall is stuck on the outside as Mike Looney trying to steal that spot away. Be still my heart. Holy cow! Two laps to go for the drive out of Raleigh, North Carolina. It has been nearly a year since Deke McCaskill visited Victory Lane. It was a $10,000 win at his home racetrack at Wake County Speedway. Tonight, Deke McCaskill sees the white flag from Brandon Willard. He is one lap away from yet another Cars Late Mile Stock Tour win in the turns three and four, and Deke McCaskill will emerge, the winner of the Fluid Logic 225, presented by Boot Country USA for the Solid Rock Carrier's Late Mile Stock Tour. We will go talk to Deke McCaskill here at Motor Mile in Edelbrock Victory Lane, as you see the team and the family all happy. Wins here at Motor Mile on the Fluid Logic 225. (laughs) There's a lot of emotion I know for you to be here The last couple times we've seen this, when you're good, you're good. What was the
3: key to getting here in Atterbrock Victory Lane tonight? Oh, gosh, man. We were terrible yesterday and just went back to the hotel room and just can't thank Kevin, Hunter, Charles, man. We just all come together and, I mean, we just come up with a setup this morning and put under it. I mean, no jokes, man. Just front springs, bump stops, uh, rear springs, and just was hoping it would work and First thing off the trailer this morning, it just drove really good. Man, I knew we had a pretty good piece, but I didn't know we had a winning car. We made a mock run and put a, put a, a pretty good time there, but what a night, man. This thing was so dominant. Uh, this is Looney's house. I knew he was coming. Um, I still had the outside in my in my back pocket. I knew I could work that really good, but the car was still really good on the bottom and I could fire off really strong on restarts. Uh, that was the big key, getting up that big, that big gap and just kind of uh, maintaining the lap times. And uh, just, man, This is so awesome. I love this racetrack, man. The the track has changed a lot, and I think it just kind of threw everybody for a curveball. You know, three years ago, I guess, we were on these tires, and the track had a lot more grip, and it just uh, that's what we fought a lot was just forward drive all weekend. So we really had to do some things I never thought we'd do to it at Motor Mile, but it worked really well.
1: Dean McCask with his first win of 2022, he took the lead on lap eight and never looked back, led 118 of 125 laps. Carson Quaple, the pole sitter, who didn't even lead a lap. Connor Hall actually led the first seven laps. He comes home second. Mike Looney finished third. Bobby McCarty fourth. Connor Hall fifth. Caden Honeycutt sixth. Connor Jones seventh. Jacob Hefner eighth. Connor Mosack ninth. Carter Langley round out the top ten of the 22 cars that took the green flag. Everybody kind of minded their P's and Q's um, at Saturday night at Motor Mile because there was a bigger prize uh, that, that laid in front of everybody on Wednesday night. This past Wednesday night, the cars tour made a trip to historic North Wilkesboro Speedway. Uh, Thirty cars took the green flag, and man, it was it was one of those things that was you just had to kind of be there. Twenty thousand plus people, um, fireworks going off uh, under the pace laps, and every one of these drivers put on a phenomenal show. We don't have audio of that, but. Uh, Race in America carried that race. Pit Road TV did not, so we don't have audio. But anybody that's a Cars Tour fan knows what happened. Carson Quapel, uh Junior Motorsports, he captured the captured the win, led 90 laps. Um, of the 125, Jacob Hefter led 13 laps, and Manu Tyrell actually led 22 laps. But Mason Diaz finished second. Everything in fanfare, Dale Earnhardt Jr. made his uh, return to late model stock car racing after almost 20 years not being in the late model. He comes home third, Jonathan Schaefer with a strong run in fourth, Bobby McCarty fifth, Caden Honeycutt sixth, Zach Miracle seventh, William Sawalowicz eighth, Stefan Parsons finished ninth, Brandon Pierce with a solid top ten, 30 cars took the green flag, and we will talk to Mason Diaz in segment two. We'll talk to him about his experience at North wilkes Speedway. Taking a look at the late model stock car points, heading into this weekend's festivities at Tri-County Speedway. With the win, Carson Quap will extend his lead. He's now 47 points ahead of second place. Caden Honeycutt, Connor Hall third, Chad McCombie fourth, Jacob Hefner, he's fifth, 95 points back. Bobby McCarty, who's had a couple of strong runs here in the last couple outings, he's climbed to sixth in the standings, 105 points back. Brandon Pierce seventh, Mason Diaz, who will be our guest in segment two. He's currently eighth in points after a second place finish at North Wilkesboro, Chase Burrow, ninth. Connor Jones rounds out the top ten. Brandon Willard has the caution flag on this segment of Stickered Up. We'll take this opportunity. We'll come down pit road. Sticker Up, we return. We'll chat with the driver of the number 24 late model stock car, Mason Diaz. You're listening to the
4: Stickered Up podcast. Stickered Stickered up, Up, official podcast of the Cars Tour. of the Cars Tour. Furniture for Less. Prices 30 to 40% less than the big
0: box furniture stores. Conveniently located 3301 Richlands Highway, Jacksonville, North Carolina call adam resnick 910-540-7157 that's 910-540-7157 for all your furniture needs give them a call furniture for less official furniture supplier of the stickered up podcast follow them on facebook
4: at furniture for less jacksonville practice race Performance Racing Warehouse, home of the PRW Chassis. They feel the thrill of victory and agony of defeat with every customer. With a cutting-edge, track-tested chassis, they know what it takes to build a race-winning machine. The PRW Chassis has a proven track record of wins and championships that speak for themselves. When you're ready to take your performance to the next level, come visit Performance and let them get you in victory league. Online at performancecenter.com. Also, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok. And you can call Performance Racing Warehouse at 704 838
3: 1400. Hey, this is Deke McCaskill, driver of the 08 per year line Chevrolet. You're listening to Stickered Up Podcast with Stephen Dunn.
1: Green flag back this edition of the Stickered Up Podcast, the official podcast of the Solid Rock Carriers Cars Tour. Join us via the GSX Raps Hotline, the driver of the number 24 Solid Rock Carriers late model stock car out of Mike Darn. And Mason Diaz racing. Mason Diaz. Mason, welcome to Stickered Up Podcast.
5: Yeah, thank you for having me on. Um, definitely a good weekend last last weekend at Wilkesboro, but I uh, appreciate you guys taking the time and having me on.
1: Absolutely, man. And and we've I've wanted to have you on here for a couple of weeks now. And man, what a what an awesome night for you guys at North Wilkesboro. I know we. We talked a little bit uh, before we jumped on the air about if, if you had a little bit more uh, practice time. Uh, it wasn't ideal, I don't think, because of um, some of that practice time getting eliminated due to the due to the weather on on Tuesday. But man, talk about um, talk about your experience at North Wilkesboro from when you drove in the gate to to finishing second to Carson Quappe on Wednesday night.
5: Yeah, we're definitely getting closer to that, that first win there. I think. It's been a pretty up and down year with some parts failures and taking myself out of races, by like not keeping the fenders on it. So so to have a good, strong run and the huge experience at Wilkesboro was, I mean, you guys walked in the pits, same as I did. And I mean, I don't know what time you got there Wednesday, but I pulled in a little bit late, like one o'clock. That's what's that's what time the team decided to get there. And I don't know about you, but I had to park like half a mile away because I mean, people were already there. So yeah. uh, it was a really cool experience because fans beat the drivers to the racetrack the teams of the racetrack just just so they can get there and for them to even have to start the race you know almost an hour late just because so many people were coming and that's a really cool experience to be a part of the stands were packed you could hear them above the engine of the race cars and go around the, this racetrack so it was a really cool experience to walk in there and know the history that's behind the racetrack and what it does mean to short track racing because so that's going to be the largest Race that we anyone that race there is probably be a part of with the amount of fan count there, it would be the largest stage that probably most people will race on.
1: Not necessarily a cars tour question, but it is related to the North Wilkesboro experience. I mean, you've been to Martinsville and experienced the the 300. Um, and and look, I went out and, on a limb, and I don't even know it's really a limb, and said Martinsville has a lot to really do if they want to try to to match the intensity just the pre-race intensity of, of what people experience at North Wilkesboro. have you have you really ever experienced anything like that at least on the late model stock car side as far as the fanfare that went on with that race
5: no um I do wish that we would have had a little more time for the RGf session probably because when they shut those gates and they weren't there for us for the our drivers they were definitely there for Earnhardt. maybe it's you know select like fewer coming in that knew everyone but right they were mainly there for him and they shut that gate really really fast. Yeah. Um. And the line was tremendously long, but Martinsville has a lot, a lot to to do to get there. I would I would compare it to the first year Martinsville had their lights when they put the LED lights in. Yeah. Those stands are packed there, but I don't think it was close to what this week was. I mean, there was only standing room only, and there's a lot of grandstands there, so it was a huge atmosphere. The intensity of the racing is no different. I mean, Martinsville has more cars. I mean, ever imagine this weekend? was wide open and there's enough tires to have 80 cars show up. Yeah. I mean, it'd be equal to the intensity of Martinsville, but Martinsville has that intensity because qualifying so important and heat racing is so important. Qualifying's not really that important anymore because they don't lock anyone in, yeah. but it is very important to get a good starting spot for those heat races because there are going to be 60, 80 cars there. Yeah.
1: Talk a little bit about the actual race itself. I mean, uh, you know, obviously I was there and I mean, 20,000 other people were there. But the racing surface obviously very abrasive. Um and, and shoot through tires. Kinda give us a, a driver's perspective of, you know, what racetrack was it similar? I mean, I heard Myrtle Beach, I heard Florence. Um, just kinda talk about the the racing itself because obviously it was a lot of saving early uh, and if you saved enough, you were able to really go, but I felt like your strategy was you really, you, you kind of saved there, but you really never got too, too far back and then charged back, you know, probably, you know, two thirds back through. Talk a little bit about your strategy there to to finish second.
5: Yeah, it, it was kind of a hard race to judge because there are so many people there that cell phones couldn't work yeah. and cell phones has how we get a race monitor. Right. So my spotter, Robert up top, he's like, hey, race bonder down. I can't get it open like so there's no way to judge off the speeds of cars you know you can't look at lap time saying hey we're going three tenths faster than this guy we should probably back it down yeah it was more i felt a good pace i was at it wasn't spinning the tires i was taking it easy going in just trying to get a pace that i felt comfortable with um so it was kind of more just pick them off as they come because we took green we started 20th i think we you know right from there i started picking off cars once you know as they were riding I kind of felt that as the race went on, it kind of turns into Hickory or Myrtle Beach when it was around, or even Langley. When you when you get in those tire saving races, it's hard to pass at the end, even if you save tire. Yeah, because everyone's on the equal stuff, and just like at the end of the race, when I held off Junior, I, all I had to do was pinch him off off the corners, and he can't do anything with me because there's no drive. Right. So I kind of felt like early on, I had to get through the field to a solid, you know, mid top ten ish, just to be able to have something at the end. Um, I wanted to get to a good spot to when we got those two right sides that if we had to go race in there, we could go race in, which we almost did complete the whole entire second half under green. So that's what I wanted. I wanted to be up front there from, we got our two tires to be able to just flat out go if we needed to.
1: Yeah. And obviously, you know, you were running second, uh, two laps to go I mean, Carson pretty much had checked out, but you got that last little gas yet. Corey Haim spun with two laps to go, set up a green, white checker. Talk a little bit about the the about the move you tried to make to, to go for the win, and would you have done anything different?
5: I would have went back and changed my restart. I definitely did not get the best restart possible. It's a, probably a good thing Junior missed a shift because I would have been probably fighting for, you know, third or fourth. Um, but it opened the door up with him missing that shift that I could go low in the turn one, which looking back at it, I probably would have done something different. But Carson's car was just so good all night. I kind of think he was out front playing with us anyways. His car was just <laughs> so good. You know, just trying to get me to burn my stuff up, which I wouldn't say he did, but it was definitely more. I was probably running a little bit too hard during that, you know, 30 lap break when me and Carson kind of left the field. Yeah. Um, I just, I think starting so back so far back in 20th, it, I wasn't able to save the left rear as much as the people our front could have. Right. Because that's what won the race. In my opinion, it wasn't the new right sides we got. It was how good you kept your left rear in the race because you didn't change your other rear and left front tire does nothing to the car. So I felt like left rear tire was the main thing of what what set you aside from everyone else. So going to that last restart there, I probably should have done something different. And looking back at it now, you're always going to regret something or think, okay, this time next time I can do this if I ever get in that situation. And with, I
1: th- chatting with Mason Diaz, driving the number 24, Soderak right Carriers, late model stock car on the cars tour. And Mason, again, a second-place finish. You finished in front of Junior. Did you have an opportunity to talk with Dale Junior at all during the during the course of those two days? And if so, is that something that you wouldn't mind sharing
5: with us? Yeah, no, I did. I was trying to get one of the question and answers with him, but it was it was hard to get him those. You know, it's hard to take up someone's time like that so much because the whole weekend Junior was very very exposed to ever all the fans who ever want to see him could has you know had a chance to meet him if they were quick enough to do it and which made the weekend so large but I did talk to him throughout the pits um, did say hi to him after the races I went up to congratulate Josh and everyone for their great time and end up sitting there drinking beer for a little bit and he actually came over we, we spoke for a little bit but it wasn't only reason why this weekend happened is because of him and cars tore a pairing up so yeah, this whole entire weekend is because of him.
1: Yeah, I actually had an opportunity, um, watching the limited race. Uh, he and Josh Barry actually came and sat down right beside us and, and, watched the last 15, 20 laps of the limited race and pretty cool moment for me, but just honest, just like you just thanked him and, and Marcus Smith with, with Speedway Motorsports and, and what they did to make this event so big and, Man, it was uh, it was definitely historic and definitely something very cool. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what you've got ahead on the horizon? Obviously, we'll be at Tri County this weekend, but um, in a couple of weeks, uh, you'll head to Martinsville Speedway for the third leg of the Triple Crown. You and Mark Wirtz currently tied for the Triple Crown lead, um, and you're in a position to win the Triple Crown. Obviously, you know the the checkered flag is the ultimate goal. But talk about a little you know talk a little bit about your preparation and, and kind of looking ahead at, at Martinsville here in a couple of weeks.
5: Yeah, no, it's we have Tri County this weekend, which we're debating on which car to bring to Martinsville. Um, the car for car tour this year has just been so fast where we brought it. Uh, even though we don't have the finishes to show for it, but every week it always seems like we're pretty good in practice, and you know, always on some board, you know, top five in practice, and something always goes wrong in the race. So we're debating on which car to bring to Martinsville since it is the third leg of triple crown and goals going on the weekend is just to make sure we have a clean race. My past couple of times there at Martinsville, honestly, two times in a row my exhaust fell off uh, within the last within the first 30 laps of the race and which t- took me out of the race. So, um, it just needs to go through with getting the car 100% ready to go, maintenance properly and go to the race track, and hopefully we have speed off the trailer, but you know, it's full on from here on out. I'm pretty sure cars to races almost every weekend from here on out.
1: Yeah, it's fast and furious. It's not. We uh, Michael Falk and I actually talked about it and joked that it was almost like cup racing here the last couple of weeks. So it is. <laughs> and and you've got some experience with that. I mean, not the Cup Series, but but you've run some Xfinity races over the last you know handful of years. And and, and I just want to ask you, you know, the competition. Everybody talks about the competition, the cars tour being so stout and so strong. Can you compare what your Xfinity experience was to racing full time in the cars tour, and is there any correlation there?
5: Um, there is kind of, I mean, the only thing that's pretty cool is between the two, which I, I never ran Xfinity race Xfinity cars long enough is that you race the same people every weekend. Yeah. And that's, you, you know, going the weekend, who's going to be good versus, you know, going to some local tracks. You don't know who's going to be there. I mean, if you race Sober all year, you knew that the top three in points are going to be their lane, Peyton and, you know, everyone there. But right, if you just go sporadically to the race tracks, you don't know who's going to show up. Cars tour, you know, who's going to be there. You know, who's going to be fast, you know who's going to be possibilities each weekend. I mean, I don't know about anyone else, but I was not ready for Deke to be that fast the motor mile. I know he used to be that fast the motor mile, but right. I was not ready for that. But that's, that's the cool part about this, is you can figure something out for one week and be really, really fast. Um, late mile stock race, in my opinion, is the most competitive series there is, compare, even compared to super late models. Yeah, I mean, the qualifying this weekend, I was 20th with only being, you know, I think a 10th off of second place, yeah, maybe two-tenths, and you're 20th. So yeah. it's very competitive.
1: Speaking of being competitive, late-model stock cars, uh, you and your dad, Southern National Speedway, Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, you guys announced uh, early on in the year that you guys are going to be paying $50,000 out for this year's Thanksgiving Classic. want to give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about the Classic and, and what people can expect and, and how people can go ahead and get registered for that.
5: Yeah, the registration's been out since uh, we, we posted about it, which I think it was back in February or January. I forget which month now, but it's coming up pretty, really fast. We're here working pretty hard on it now, trying to figure out the schedule for the weekend, making sure that it's you know thought through properly and make sure that everyone has a good solid three days there with every with all the divisions we run. So a lot of leave that money on the way for all the drivers and high purses. So it should be a good way to end the season for everyone late while stock racing.
1: Mason, what does it take for you? I know you've been chasing that that first elusive cars tour win for the last couple of years. What is it going to take to get that done this weekend at Tri County?
5: You know, Tri. I haven't been to Tri County since they repaved turns one and two. So, in my mindset for the weekend, it's going to race a lot like South Boston, um, high grip, fast racetrack. I mean, the shape of Tri County is not quite so South Boston, but I have a feeling that's what it's going to be, almost like South Boston or Dominion. So. Um, the high grip tracks, which we know we've been pretty good at with getting the pull up at the menu earlier this year. So leading the majority of the, I mean, not all the laps, but we led until we got a right front flat. So, yeah. um, hopefully this weekend we show some speed and everything falls correctly. That's the, that's the biggest issue is I've had a lot of parts failures this year from clutches to, um, power steering to all the above. So that's what took us out of motor mile was a power steering pump locking up at Lockwise steering, but in the same spot. So pulled it in. So, just trying to, you know, got to get this bad luck off or whatever you want to call it. Just can't finish a weekend properly except Wilkesboro, we did. So, hopefully, we can continue that going forward.
1: Mason takes a ton of people to get you to the racetrack each and every week. I want to give you an opportunity to thank those folks that get you there.
5: Yeah. Uh, first first and foremost, I got to thank Kirk Ipot and Lynette. I um, mean, Solid Rock Carriers, they do a tremendous amount for me. Um, he was super excited after Wilkesboro. He was like, you're almost there. I'm like, yeah. So, um, got to thank them. Prince William Marina, the sign shop everyone on my team like Gun racing they, they put out some fast race cars for me here this season so far so hopefully we can keep that up and finish off the year strong but I gotta thank everyone my family I mean everyone in the car store for putting the series on uh, thank you for having me on this podcast but hopefully we can just keep our heads up and or keep our heads down keep grinding through the season or I mean just past halfway basically so
1: Mason, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, man. Best of luck to you this weekend at Tri County, and best of luck to you in a couple of weeks at Martinsville as you trace the Triple Crown. And uh, we'll see you this weekend at Tri County.
5: Yep. You guys have a good rest of your week. That's Mason Diaz,
1: driver of the number 24 Solid Rock Carriers Late Model Stock Car. Caution flags out. We'll come down pit Road. We'll stick her up. And when we come back, we'll give you a preview of this weekend's harrisonsworkwear.com, 225 at Tri County Speedway. You're listening to the Stickered Up Podcast. <laughs>
4: up, official podcast to the cars tour Get the picture with Pit Row TV, the
0: official home of Cars Tour TV, where winners watch their favorite races. If you can't make it to the track, tune in and let Tony Stevens bring you all the action for the Cars Tour. Pit Row TV. Check them out online. Pit Row.tv. That's Pit Row.tv. Don't change that channel.
4: video overlays powered by race
0: Compare your driving line around the track against the best and see how you stack up against the competition. They get every lap, every car. Available at every Cars Tour event. New for 2022 Tracks on IT services and they can set up a network exclusive to your needs at the racetrack on race weekends. Contact Adam Zirkel, 434-222-8947.
4: That's 434- 222-8947. Delivery
5: of the Cars Tour. This is Mason Diaz, driver number 24, Solid Rock Carriers, late model stock. Here, are listening to the Stickered Up Podcast.
1: White flag, this edition of the Stickered Up Podcast, the official podcast for the Solid Rock Carriers Cars Tour. And we head to Tri-County Motor Speedway, second time for the pro late models, first time for the late model stocks in 2022 for the running of the Harrison's Workwear. 225 activities at the racetrack will start on Friday afternoon. Trailer parking starts at noon. Late model stock car practice starts at 2 o'clock. Alternating practices with the pro late models until 6. Pits close at 6.30. Action begins again at the Speedway on Saturday morning with uh, trailer parking on at 9.15. Late model stock car practice will fire off at 11.45. They'll alternate with the pro late models until 2.15. Then uh, grandstands will open at 5 o'clock. Late model stock car qualifying 5.15. Pro late models 5.40. Driver intros at 6.10. Pre-race ceremonies at 620, and Brandon Willard will wave the green flag on the Harrison's Workwear.com 225. 100 laps for the pro late model stocks. Tri-County Motor Speedway street stocks will take the track for 35 laps, and the nightcap will be the late model stocks for 125 green flag laps. General admissions, $20. Trackside, $20 per vehicle plus $20 a person. Pit passes, $40, $45 as always. Kids 12 and under are free. If you can't make it to Tri-County Speedway, we encourage you to catch all the action on Pit Road TV, Cars Tour TV this weekend with Tony Stevens. Taking a quick look at the entry list for this weekend's festivities in Granite Falls, 15 Pro Late Models have pre-entered. Cody King, Gavin Bolich, William Sawalowicz, the hottest driver on the Pro Series, Dylan Ward, Rusty Skews, Austin McDonald, Lee Tissett, Kent, Camden Quapple, Jake Garcia, Luke Mornay, Matt Craig makes his return to the cars tour for the first time in 2022 on the pro late model side. Ryan Moore, Logan Jones, current points leader, Luke Finhouse, and Stephen Light round out the 15 car of pre-entries. Looking at the late model stock cars, 26 late model stock cars have pre-entered for this weekend's festivities. They include a Deke McCaskill, Andrew Grady, Brandon Pierce, Braden Rogers, Hayden Swank, Parker Eatman back in the cars tour this weekend driving the four from Mike Darn, Dylan Wilson who made his uh, Cars Tour. This will be his third Cars Tour race in four races. Um, He was uh, our guest a couple of weeks ago talking about North Wilkesboro. He'll be in the field this weekend at Tri-County as well. Carter Langley, current points leader, Carson Quapple, Chase Burrow, Ashton Higgins, Jansen Marchbanks, Caden Honeycutt, Ryan Millington back in the Cars Tour. This will be his first appearance in 2022. Chad McCombie, Bobby McCarty, our most recent guest today here, uh, Mason Diaz, Zach Miracle, William Sawalowicz will be doing double duty. Connor Jones, Ilabella Robusto, Connor Hall, Tyler Gagery, Minnie Tyrell will be back. This will be his third cars tour race in 2022. Jonathan Schaefer and Jacob Hefner round out the 26 cars that will be on the property on Friday and Saturday afternoon at Tri County Speedway. I want to thank those people that helped Sticker It Up become. To you each and every week, Kirk Ipock with Solid Rock Carriers, PJ Bront with BST, Furniture for Less and Adam Bresnick, Pit Road TV and Tony Stevens, Performance Center Racing Warehouse and Roger Johnson, GeoCut, and Adam Zirkel Performance Technologies. Thanks to Adam Zirkel for all of his support. We also want to thank our guest today via the GSX Raps Hotline, driver of the number 24 late model stock car, Mason Diaz. Also want to make sure that we thank our Friends here at Broadcasting Experts, Dave Perkins and Morgan Patrick, make us sound so good each and every week. That's a checkered flag on this edition of the Stickered Up podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Dunn.
4: Be sure to share this podcast. New episodes of Stickered Up will be available wherever you download your podcasts.